Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm here with Lori, and we're going to talk about a word and verse for the year. We're going to, we're going to talk about Lori's word and verse for 2020, 2021. And then we're also going to talk about a Bible verse that speaks to how pastors and churches uh, are being called to get involved with the work for life. Welcome, Lori. I am so excited to be talking with you again. Um, would you please introduce yourselves to um, to our audience, which is primarily executive directors of Pregnancy Clinics? Sure. Jacob, I'm excited to get to be with you today. It is uh, just an exciting time to be alive. Uh, my name is Lori DeVillies. I'm the founder and executive director of Trotter House. We are located in West Campus at the University of Texas in Austin. Awesome. Um, so today we're going to be talking about your, uh, a word or a verse for the year. And I remember back in uh, 2020, you, you you shared your word and verse for the year and how it ended up being unexpectedly relevant or more relevant than it, it didn't make sense in the beginning yeah. of 2020, but then it made a lot of sense sort of like in the March, April, May uh, transition into COVID kind of 2020. So will you share um, yes. what was your word for the year 2020? And then if you could share the verse that goes with it, that'd be awesome. Sure. Yes. Uh, usually at the end of the year, November, December, I start praying about the word for the next year. And really it's uh, for clear direction on where God is leading us. Preparation. We do a lot of uh, strategic planning, uh, you know, at the end of the year, first of the, the year. And uh, in 2019, the words actually it was two firm, sure foundation were, and I'm like, sure foundation. If I need to know that, then that means something's probably going to be shaken. Uh, you know, you want to know you have a sure foundation. The scripture that came with it was Isaiah 33, 6, which says he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. And how, how more perfect could it have been? Because that was January, and then March, the whole world changed. Yeah. But he let know that we he is our sure foundation, and that he would provide the salvation, wisdom, and knowledge that we needed. And to fear him basically means focused on him uh, is the key to this treasure. So the folk the the key was for us to focus on him, not to fall into the fear not to succumb to the chaos, but to have him as our sure foundation. So how it couldn't have been more appropriate, that's for sure. Yeah, and in 2020, it felt like so many um, foundations that many parts of my life were built on felt like they were crumbling into sand, like eating at a restaurant, going to church, um, being able to, you know, having the ability to go into a, a, a store, you know, all these things were like being shaken, you know, my kids going to school, you know, a lot of these foundations that were seemingly firm, all of a sudden turned into an unsettled, unfirm place to stand. And we didn't quite know, you know, we had to, we had to adjust and, and change. And the only thing that didn't change was Jesus. Like that was the only thing that did not get 
shaken at this time. And it was just sort of like everything else was turning into to rubble. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it's like we had to relearn our world or try to navigate through uncharted territory, which everyone, I kept hearing a lot. This is unprecedented. We haven't done this before, you know, those kind of phrases. And it's true. I mean, we entered into a new season for sure. Yeah, one one of my my family response or my response to the to the the essentially with everything being shaken and turning into like sandy foundations is I sort of felt like we should stop build well, obviously stop building on the sand and that but maybe we should simply spend some time playing in the sand and so that was yeah. sort of our reaction was because right. it's really good to play in but not good to build on <laughs> right. So, right so we essentially we tried to. Um, find find spaces to just to enjoy life in the midst of all this foundation being shaken and and then yeah when things began began to go back to normal a bit then we could you know figure things out but in uh -huh. at the, in the end it felt like that was not a time to be building so much but then again my 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 world sort of went through a lot of changes during 2020 and we actually did do a lot of building um, we helped a lot of pregnancy clinics with their virtual events because like everyone was going virtual oh, yeah. at that time. And sure. it was all new to us because we weren't doing virtual events before 2020, but we did a lot of virtual events in that year. And so we was, it was pretty, um, it was, a, it was an interesting time to go through and it was just, the only mm -hmm. thing I can think about it is there's so much change happening. It was hard to keep up. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it really did change our world, but again, using that scripture god uses it all for good i mean now we're beyond walls at our events right because yeah. of the virtual you're being able to help uh and we're reaching more people and we have more opportunities and so even though uncertain time it, it we can turn it for good That's so true. i'm glad so do you uh, what was your uh can you share your verse and word um, that you ended up coming up with at the end of 2020 for 2021 yes going into 2021 uh i was like okay is, is there still more shaking gonna happen or what <laughs> uh and the scripture the word uh that came to me was peace because really even in looking at the church and i say that as a whole uh, many in the body have succumbed to the fear right of so many things that have changed and things that get thrown at us and uncertainties and all that sort of thing and the word that, that god gave me uh was peace our our we are to stay in peace and the scripture isaiah 23 uh 26 3 uh you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So as we keep our focus and our mind, we talked about taking every thought captive. We keep our mind focused on him because we trust in him. He keeps us in perfect peace. So if we start to get out of that peace, then we take those thoughts captive and we toss them and we replace it with the word because we're not going to let fear come in and overtake us. Oh, that's really good. And that, that is such a beautiful thing for 2021 is to have peace because the unsettling fear is always sort of like those that thought is like a reoccurring record of, you know, this reoccurring peace that keeps coming at us. 
And mm-hmm. so it's good to counter it with go go to Jesus's feet and replace it with peace. That sounds yeah, remarkably yes. nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, so how do you how what's the process of picking out your word and your verse? What how long does it take? What do, what does it look like for you to go through that experience? Well, I like to take uh, two to three days where I'm really just in quiet and just listening for his word. Um, so I'm in the word and just really in quiet. Uh, praise and worship music some, but mostly just quiet, just seeking out him as we prepare. You know, he tells us that he will order our steps. You know, a lot of times I may have my schedule and I know what I need to do, but then things happen, right? And instead of getting upset because my schedule changed or whatever, I look at Lord, you are ordering my steps. So what do I need to do today? Who do I need to see? Is there a word I need to speak with someone? Do I need to bless someone? Is there someone struggling that I have a resource I could help with? Whatever it is, because uh, our pastor talked about yesterday, the sermon was reason to live. You know, some, he used three examples. You know, one, we live because we go to a job and we, we build our careers and we make a lot of money. That's one reason to live. Another reason, well, I'm just getting by. I'm just every day, just whatever happens. And then one, uh, which is where I pray to be, uh, where I submit everything to the Lord every day and that he, Lord, I, I, here's my schedule, but I just ask that you direct my steps. Wherever you want me to be, whoever you want me to be with, whatever you want me to do or say, I want to be so submitted to you that that is where my joy comes from. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So as that joy comes, as we're submitted in a full obedience to him, then we have our strength. And so that's that's where I want to be every day. Yeah, I can see that it gives you joy the the peace in 2021 and the sure foundation in 2020 how it 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 provides like this place for you to have and experience joy that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. so who would you give credit to for encouraging or or spurring you to um to think of a word and a verse per year like where did that idea come from for you I believe it was in a small ladies group that I was in. I had not thought about doing it before. And each one started sharing their word and their scripture. And I'm like, that's a great idea. It was probably 10, 15 years ago. Uh, But I I really like it because it truly gives good direction for whatever, like one, her, she had shared with me, her word for one year was love. And God worked on her the whole year, just teaching her in every situation to look at it in love. And, you know, when you start doing that, things change when you get your perspective differently. Um, so it was in a ladies' small group. Interesting. I, I was at a, um, an Alliance for Life conference, probably, this is probably from, boy, many, many years ago, probably seven or eight years ago. And I've had in my wallet this, um, they, they essentially, this lady who did a workshop or a, uh, a presentation, she essentially prayed over cards and then she handed out everyone a card with a single word on it. And the one that I had in my, my uh, that I got was learn. And so that's wow. what I ended up putting in my wallet and it's been there for a long time. <laughs> and so, wow, that's um, awesome. It was, yeah. it was essentially 
um and i think this is and they did it i think they've done it twice over the many years that they've had the conferences um but i never thought about renewing it or or making my own word per se and verse to go with it i think that's definitely a more a more prayerful uh it's, it's a really beautiful idea that i think people who are listening could could essentially take this on as a as a as a really good thing to do in December, it sounds like it sounds like that's the right time to be considering this or November or December. I think so for for planning because we're thinking of new year, new thoughts, new everything. But I was just at a it was like a little training retreat. I was leading a John Maxwell uh, session uh, with some people in Texas, and God brought that up to me. Uh, apparently there were some challenges going on with some of the staff there and stuff and I had them it's got a little bit like what you have there I just did a little sticky note and I just passed it around I said just put your name on it okay and then put it in the cup and then um, the Lord made it really clear pass that cup around and have them pull out a name not to take their own just take somebody's name so I had them do that and then I said now I want you to take a few minutes and I want you to pray, pray for this person that the name you, that you received out of the cup and ask the Lord, what word does that person need? Hmm. Ask the Lord to give it to you, because after we finish praying, I'm going to ask you to go to that person and give them their word and pray with them. And I'm telling you, that was the most powerful time of the whole day. We did a one day retreat. People were crying. People were sharing their hurts. People were just, and, and it bonded the whole group. So wow. that even now, still hearing from them that all the issues are gone. They were just, they're just loving on each other. And because sometimes we get so into what we're doing that we forget. And this is one thing I shared with them. We all come in with stuff, but I want us to leave without that stuff <laughs> so that we're a little lighter and that we are a little freer because the Lord, even though we're in hard times, the Lord wants us to have that joy and he wants us to have that peace and we can only find it in him. And then as we're loving one another and it was amazing to watch and interesting because as we came back together as a group, each one, I said, now I want you to share what word you received and you don't have to share with the whole group the intimate parts if you don't want to but they were wide open to share it I mean it was amazing how right on those words were so if we really seek him he'll tell us how, how much how long did that take like was it a, how much time did you give people uh to pray for that word was it five minutes was it longer what did that look like? We just took five minutes to pray the word and then probably for the word. And then it probably took a good 30, 40 minutes for them to pray with each other, to share the word, to encourage, share a word of encouragement and to pray. And then we just took a break after that. So wow, um, it didn't take long to get the word, but it was really powerful. What What's really neat is when God gives you that word, whether it's for yourself or someone else, and you share it, it speaks to their heart because they know what's going on. Whether they share it or not, they know what they're dealing with. Hmm. That's really rich. That's a, that's we a could even pray that for our clients. You know, you think about our clients coming in. If we take a few minutes 
And even if we step outside the room for a few minutes and just say, God, what word does this client need from me today? Hmm. What is it? And then he gives it to us and we go back in. It could really speak to the hearts of our clients too, I think. Wow. That's a very practical way to bless people regularly who, yeah, essentially help connect them to something God is trying to reach them with. That sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. So for the next part of this uh, podcast, I wanted to, um, I want, I'm going to go ahead and read a verse that you shared. I think it was to your book or somewhere, but somewhere you shared it. Uh, Proverbs 63. <laughs> and the idea was you, you were using this, I believe, as a, a verse that would encourage um, pastors and churches to, to participate in the, in the work for life. And so Proverbs 16, three reads, commit mm. to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. As you, as you think about that verse, how do you see that being an mm. encouragement to pastors and churches for, um, for what they should do when it comes to the pro-life world and pregnancy clinic work? Well, I think that's a powerful scripture for pastors because in the more volatile world that we've become, uh, churches and pastors, I'm sure, are uh, careful on what the involvement uh, they have. And of course, the life issue being one that could be more controversial if you look at it more political. Um, I think it would encourage pastors First of all, to look at why is the life issue so important? It's not about political. It's about God's heart. When I went to Israel a few years ago, I asked the Lord if he would answer the question as to why Israel and life are important to him. I wanted to know that. And uh, I didn't really have the answer. I went on to Israel, we were doing our tour, and the day that they took us to the Mount of Beatitudes, and we stopped, and the tour guide gave us the tour, and then he gave us 30 minutes to just have a devotion, quiet time, and I went over to just by myself to sit and watch the mountains, and that came up. You want to know what is important between Israel and life for me, and that's just the thought I had. I knew God was talking to me bringing up my question. And I said, yes, I do. And the response was so powerful. It is my covenant. I've made a covenant with Israel and I've made a covenant with life. And so when I came back from Israel, I did, uh, are you still there? Yes. Okay. I did um, a study on, it was from K author, the books called Our Covenant God. And when I read that book and you look at the covenant, how important covenant is to God, I hope this would be an encouragement to pastors, because if you look at what's important to God and you're leading a flock, you're the shepherd leading the flock, and you see that this is so important to God, he's made a covenant with us, with bringing, sending Jesus and making that covenant to bring us back into fellowship with him. Uh, and and how he creates life and life is made in his image and how the enemy from day one in the garden went to destroy life 
Mm. And how we're bringing life back. Uh, we're bringing it back because Jesus made that gap, filled in that gap so we can. And how important that is. I, I pray that that is an encouragement to pastors to know that God is on their side. It may not be popular. Many times I've done things that aren't popular and I've had to, the picture I, I imagine is getting out of a boat onto the water. Isn't that what, uh, you know, as we do and we focus on Jesus, it does not matter what the storm looks like. We keep our focus on him and we stay afloat and we, and we move forward. And so I would encourage pastors with that because it may not be popular. It may, uh, but if we stand on the word and his promises and we know his heart in that covenant for life, we don't lose. There's, there's no weapon formed against us that will prosper as we're in that perfect unity with him. Yeah. And I, and I think very often, you know, my, my small group Bible study group um, last week, we were going through a passage, talk, reading, reading into a passage about how when the Holy Spirit ascended on Jesus, he then went out into the desert for 40 days. And like, that was the very first thing that he did with the Holy Spirit in him. And then he was tempted by Satan. But the idea was that, you know, going out into the desert for 40 days sounds like a very unpopular choice. <laughs> yes, <least>. right. <laughs> yeah. Without, and, you know, anyways, all I have to say is, you know, listening to the spirit does not mean it's going to be comf comfy because going into the desert is obviously like the opposite of comfy or easy. This is a, right. I mean, obviously it was really good and, he and healthy for Jesus to do it. And, and the spirit of yeah. God had good reasons to do this, but it was definitely not a, you know, a, a, a human choice. It was not a, yeah. um, you know, not, not a choice that I would make. It was not a choice that, you know, it's, it, it, this is something that's more God driven is into hard spaces um, with God's blessing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I would encourage pastors today. I know it's gotta be hard. I mean, I've not ever led a church, but, uh, you know, with all the different things that come your way and all the demands that come and having the time, I think protecting that time with the Lord is so vital uh, to keep that encouragement up for yourself, uh, keep that direction up for yourself and to know that you're not alone. Um, so I would encourage directors and people listening, if, uh, if you haven't encouraged your pastor lately, I would encourage you to, because it's not easy. What do you and, think, uh, so what do you think a, the best place for a church body or a pastor to start with when, it, like, for example, would you think when it comes to bringing up this issue or talking about it? Um, well, um, cause it might be people in the congregation who have had abortions and they, and it might be a very delicate, sensitive, difficult topic for them to hear. Um, so is, is the, is the best doorway, doorway, maybe talking about how there's recovery and help and healing available for those who've experienced abortion. Is it to talk to people in small groups or one-on-one? -on -one? Is it to, I mean, what, what approach might they take? Or maybe that's more of a, a question for a pastor who's had to, to wrestle and grapple with that, that idea. Well, I think it's important uh, for a pastor to uh, keep this issue in front of his congregation a lot, 
uh, I think that uh, the more he talks about it, the more open his congregation will be to the issue. Uh, for the people to, and for him to create a safe environment, I think you're right. Uh, for him to keep out there so that the people know that, you know, if one in three women in a church have had an abortion, that means one in three men. And so to uh, keep reminders all the time that we are all sinners, none of us are different than the other. The scripture doesn't say, you know, he forgives this sin, but not this sin and abortion, you know, that's really bad. No, he says, we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned and they're all the same in his eyes. And to help them understand, uh, I always use 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I want to be cleansed. I want to be made whole. I want to be free, uh, to have that freedom, just to know that I'm loved. And, and he, he has me in the palm of his hands. And to also use the scripture, Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation. It doesn't say except abortion. It says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So no shame, no guilt. No, he takes that when we confess our sins. As 1 John 1, 9 says, he takes it and he casts it. He says, I don't remember it. That one song that says, what sin? What sin? It was forgiven. It's as far as the East is from the West. It never comes back because I've put it under the blood. That was that life-saving covenant that God did by bringing Jesus. And so we are in that covenant with him and we have that freedom. And so I think that's real important for pastors to talk about it, to let people know they're behind uh, standing for life and that there, there's a, an acceptance and a, a security and a safety in their congregation because they're going to love everyone, but they're also going to stand for life and not shy away from the truth of what the scripture says about it. I think that's the other part of it. Sometimes we, we shy away from wanting to talk about it or talking about the issue as it is because we don't want people to be uncomfortable. If we talk about it and we give the truth and we do it in love, people feel that safety to be able to come to the church and participate and whatever the church is doing for life. Well, that's really good. So what, what might you say to a pastor who has hold, held the position that there's several different hurdles that someone, that some churches will put in front of a, of a new, of a person who hasn't believed in Jesus yet. And so the idea is that, you know, if I put in here that you have to do this right or that right, or you have to you know, be this or be that before, you know, essentially trying to make almost like ro putting roadblocks or hurdles in front of meeting Jesus um, and abortion, you know, being pro-life or talking about abortion might become like a hurdle or a, a blocking point for someone to meet Jesus. And they want to try and clear that path. How might you respond to someone's thoughts on, have you, have you heard that before? And, or is that something that you've, you've come across with pastors having that kind of reaction to abortion and being talked about in church you're talking about having to clean your life up before you accept christ is that what um, you're talking about well i think I've, I've heard i've heard some pastors say that they if they bring up um 
pro-life ideas or they, if they talk about abortion, it's almost like saying you have to get past this hurdle before you can come to our church, or you have to get past this hurdle before you can meet Jesus. And they essentially are trying to get people to meet Jesus first before bringing up these other issues. And maybe talking about being pro-life or talking about abortion might be ideal for believers more so than unbelievers, because we do want unbelievers to meet Jesus first before trying to, to wrestle with life and the different things in life. But at the same time, a church audience is going to have non-believers and believers in the audience. And so I guess, yeah, I guess the question might be is how do we balance, you know, talking about something like abortion with having unbelievers in the audience? Because I think with, with, with believers, it's a healthy thing to talk about and to figure out and proceed with, but with unbelievers, is it also healthy or does it maybe, might it keep someone from, I guess I don't know the answer to that. Like, might it keep someone from meeting Jesus if it distracts them or put, pushes them away? I'm not sure. And because I've always been very, you know, I've always desired for churches to get involved, but I've heard a few, a few pastors say that they're trying to keep roadblocks or hurdles from being in the way from them exploring that church community. I don't think so. I think believers or non-believers, if we're giving them truth and we're speaking it in love, um, I, I picture Jesus, right? When he would uh, go into settings where he knew either they were the Pharisees or they were sinners, right? They were, well, they were all, but people who may not know him or know the word, uh, he just presented the information, the truth as a matter of fact, right? He could speak the language of whatever the person is. As you were talking, I was thinking of yesterday at church, we got to share just a few minutes about Trotter House. And afterward, um, I had a gal, mother come up with her daughter and her granddaughter. And the daughter um, has just gotten out of prison and she's single mom and she's in a, uh, halfway house right now <clears throat> but the question was and I, I i picture this as you were talking is there a place for me because i'm talking about the pregnancy center and i'm talking about needing volunteers and all of this and she's like am i the kind of person that could be a part of this right it's almost like sometimes when someone's had an abortion they think they can't come to jesus because of that <laughs> and will i be received can I, is there a place for me? And I let her know there's a place for you. Uh, you are received. And I think that's real important. We need to communicate that everyone, there's a place for everyone. And, and that's what Jesus does, right? He makes the way he, he would go and people would criticize him. Why is he spending time with people like that? Why is he, you know, he needs to be over here with the Pharisees, with the people who know what's going on. And he was looking at them like, I know what's going on. And I'm over here with the people who know what's going on, right? And I think we need to do that to, to have the mind of Christ, to see the people. And that's what I pray, to see them as he sees them, to hear what I heard her saying yesterday was, is there a place for me? Uh, can I come? Will you receive me? And the mother came to me first to protect her daughter. Because if I had said, no, you can't, we can't have her. That would have been a hurt that would have pushed her further away versus 
when I said there's a place for you, she started opening up about all kinds of stuff. And she you know, was sharing, well, I've offered here and I've offered here and this place and that place, but they've told me because I've been in prison or because of what I've done that I couldn't, they wouldn't have me. But yet it's her testimony that will turn many who are in her similar situation around. And that's what I told her. You have a testimony I don't have. And as clients come in and they're walking down the path that you've walked, you can say, hey, I've been there, done that. You don't want to go that way. And they'll listen to you because you have that testimony. Not that they wouldn't listen to me because God will use it all. But hers is going to be more powerful to someone who may be considering abortion or considering drugs or whatever it is because she's walked it and can share it from a personal perspective. And I think. And maybe it's maybe it's the 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 voice or the message. If the if the voice and the message reflects Jesus, reflects love, compassion, care, humility, yes. kindness. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I, I think it'll it'll it can be shared with anybody. But mm-hmm. if it's a message of of um, you know of well of hate or of I'm better than you or if if it, it sort of resembles um, friction then, then it, it would be a roadblock to people. And it might be a roadblock to both non-believers and believers to want to get involved. If it's one of, of friction and the, you know, of, um, of conflict or, uh, um, you know, well, and not to say that there's not righteous anger, but at the same time, right. righteous kindness will attract people to listen and, and, be more persuasive than than oh, a, yeah. heated, a heated piece, and so I think it oh, might yeah. be just the, the tone. The tone needs to be that of, you know, maybe more so than the top. The topic is good, but the tone is what makes it or breaks it. Perhaps when it comes to how people will hear it and respond, and 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 recognizing that there are we have people in our circles in our spheres that need healing from a variety of things, including things connected to abortion or, or sexual sin. Um, and so we need to go in with, I think that's probably the, one of the strongest doorways is calling people towards repentance and healing as more so than, you know, having some political stance, which is not, not healthy. I mean, cause you're very often political stances almost feel like they're trying to create more divides more so than trying to build up common ground and love and care. Yes. I mean, if I had said yesterday, I'm sorry, you have messed up so much. There's just no way, you know, or whatever. I would have not only lost her and her granddaughter, but her mother and probably family and, you know, the ripple effect of that. But by uh, the acceptance and what what I heard, you know, and I, I we do have policies and that sort of thing. And I shared with her, well, you know, all the volunteers fill out an application that's protocol. And we'll run a background check, that's protocol two. So there might be some things that we may have to work on later down the road, we may not be able to do right now. And what she said, cause she heard it, heard what I was saying. She said, I don't care, I'll clean the floors, I'll clean toilets, I'll, <laughs> if I can just be a part. And somebody like that who's hungry, who knows what God will do down the road with, that, with somebody like that to save who knows how many lives. And so it's not for us to, uh, we've got to see through the eyes of Jesus. And so asking to see with his eyes and to hear with his ears and to love with his love every day, 
so that he adjusts ourselves is real important, I think, especially in the work that, we're, that we do. Mm-hmm.